Holy Spirit, thanks for what you've been up to this morning already. We love that this isn't just about coming and, and hearing music and someone talk, but this is about encountering you. And thank you that even when we have uh, just pillars of our community that are gone, you know, Mike and Betty and Greg and Kathy not able to be here this morning and others, but, but still you come and you meet with us because you have deposits of your anointing in all of us, and we all get to play. Would you continue what you're up to this morning in our hearts? Would you help us to recalibrate, reform our understanding of eternal life around how you see it and what you say it is and all that you offer to us? God, we want to continue to meet with you. And so I ask that this message, what you bring, would not just be something that would stimulate our minds, but it would really stir our hearts. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Let's go for it. We're here for you and with you. Amen. Yeah, so last week I, we, we were a little playful. I, I admitted that um, it's not a domestic violence issue because that's not funny, but it's an issue of my temper comes out really when my wife and I would play Monopoly. And so um, we, we talked about salvation and how often we make salvation. Taylor, do you want to show that one real quick? Um, we talked about how in the Western world, salvation has become this idea of just simply not going to hell. And I propose that salvation is so much more than that. And that's, maybe that's not what it was for you, but for me, that's what it was growing up. Is You pray this prayer so that you will go to heaven and not go to hell. It was about doing this thing so that you will not go to this place and you will go to one place instead. And it became this thing like, well, um, okay, now what? And if you ever find that, maybe somebody shares with you about Jesus or, you know, the, if you were to die tonight and you, you pray the prayer and then you kind of wake up the next morning, you're like, okay, uh, I guess I go to church or I read my, but it just kind of fizzles out. And so what we were proposing is that according to scripture, ultimately salvation is not an idea to believe, but it's a person to know and love. That salvation is the person of Jesus that invites us to walk with him, to follow him, and he heals us, he rescues us, he forgives us, he restores us along the journey. And something happened, I don't know, I think it had to do with, with someone in the third or fourth century, but, but something happened to some of our concepts, our scriptural concepts, where they got reframed away from relationship and around transaction and geography. Let me ask you this for a minute. How many of you have ever just had this thought go through your minds? Man, when I get to heaven, I won't deal with this anymore. When I get to heaven, I won't think like blank. When I get to heaven, I won't experience blank. Who's had that just thought cross your mind? I'm not trying to like... Now think about... Can we take a minute and unpack what we're really saying there? When I get to heaven... Okay, now... We have to ask ourselves a question, don't we? What's so special about heaven? Is heaven as a place going to do something for us? Now, that's a tricky question, isn't it? Because you're like, well, yes, but at the same time, no. So let's talk about what I mean when I say that. So we have these scriptures. Um, go ahead, Taylor. Like Romans 6.23, eternal life is a term that comes through a lot of scriptures. I mean, in the New Testament, 45 times or so, 
Um, you'll notice in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's loaded with the phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's all about that. And often we transpose an idea into that of this place we go when we die. But most of us vineyard people know that that's not what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom. It wasn't somewhere you go when you die. Now the Gospel of John, John very rarely, if at all, mentions the phrase the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says the same in my kingdom is not of this world. There's a few other ones, but Jesus seems to be really enamored with the phrase, well actually I should say John, is enamored with the phrase eternal life. He says that over and over and over and over. What I've noticed in my background, eternal life was always something that began when? When you die. Eternal life was it begins when you die and it's, it means simply going to heaven and not going to hell. And we back that up with scriptures like this. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's missing the main point. It's so hard when my brain goes down three different routes at once because I'm limited by time and space and I can only choose one. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what I was going to ask, and, and we'll, we'll just do it for a minute. We don't have time to kind of get your, to, to share, but just think for a minute. If I were to say, what is heaven going to be like? What will your experience of heaven be like? Would you think about that for a minute? Just think, what, what will you experience? What will you be like? What will heaven be like? Think about that for a minute. Let's try this. Let's see if you can in one word encapsulate what you would, what are some of the adjectives we would describe when we talk about what heaven will be like. Go ahead and just pop out a word that, that comes to your mind. Clarity. Okay. So heaven will be like, there will be clarity. What else? Thank you, Doug. Intimacy. What's that? Worshiping. Relationship. Peace. What else? Intimacy. No tears. Yeah. Surprise, fun, love, wholeness, yeah. acceptance, happiness. What else? Healing. Yeah, let's change it a little bit. What will you be like in heaven? What will have gone on in you? What will you be like? Whole, complete. No fear. What were some of the other words I was hearing? Satisfied. What's that? A new body? Yes, bring it on. <laughs> bring on the gluten. Bring it on. Bring on the soy. No, maybe not soy, but how you're supposed to be. You're gonna you're gonna become who you've always been, right? You're gonna become who you truly are at the deepest core of you. Yeah, absolutely. What's that? Renewed. Renewed. Now, isn't it inspiring just to think about this? I mean, for me, when we have this conversation, 
It just imagine if we had this huge whiteboard and we could write all these things out, or imagine even better if we could actually like paint these things out and visualize them and, and begin to experience them. Now hold on to these ideas and these statements that you made for a moment, and let's look at some scriptures, and I want to add another question to this. Yeah. Nathan loves it. I can't wait till Nathan teaches up here. So, good. Um, so there are a few places in Scripture. It's interesting. Um, we're going to look at these briefly, and then we're going to recalibrate for a moment eternal life. But I, I came across these passages, and I realized that it's actually kind of an oxymoron in the very question that's being asked. Taylor, will you go to the first one? I believe it's Luke 10. So did you realize, have you ever thought about the, we're all familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows that story of the Good Samaritan. Did you know that that story was actually catalyzed, it came out of the question to Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That the story of the Good Samaritan was brought forth out of the question to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's look at this for a moment together. Now we can, what Luke is doing is, and um, I think it's Matthew does the same thing, they're setting us up to say there's some drama going on. There's drama about to go down. Imagine the tension going on here in this scenario. You have Jesus, the respected teacher, rabbi, and this lawyer gets up and it says the lawyer stands up to test Jesus. Now, quick cultural note. You find often in Scripture, in the Gospels, that people ask Jesus questions in public, don't they? But you have a very rare few that ask Jesus questions in private. Who are some of that ask him questions in private? Can you think of any? There's Nicodemus, who, interestingly, he comes to Jesus at night. What is John saying? Nicodemus is in the dark, and he's trying to come to Jesus for light. John's very symbolic. But we have all these stories of, we have a few stories, actually, of Jesus being asked something one-on-one. Often it's his disciples. Many times the Pharisees, the lawyers that teach us all day, ask him something in public. Do you know culturally the motivation for them to ask Jesus something in public? It's to expose, to test, or dishonor him. It's to trap him. It's a shame and honor battle going on. That's why they would ask it in public. And so this lawyer is saying, hey teacher, what are you going to do with this one? What must I, now here's what I'd like to do for a minute. Let's unpack the paradox loaded in his very question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Have you paused to think about the contradiction in terms there? Let me ask you something. How many of you have some form of inheritance either that has come to you or will come to you? Where does inheritance come from? From family, right? What did you do? What did you do to earn that inheritance? How active were you in the birthing process? How much did you have to do with coming into this world? How hard did you work? Who did the hard work there? <laughs> yeah, mom did. Isn't that interesting that this lawyer is saying what must I do to inherit? 
he's kind of cutting off the very limb he's sitting on, isn't he? In the way he words the question. Is there anything that you can do to inherit something? Now, there's things you can do to disinherit things. There are things you can do to be cut out of the will. It's kind of loaded, isn't it? And so Jesus, as, you know, par for the course, Jesus responds to the question with a question, the thing we all love when Jesus does. That's one of the ways you can, if you're wondering, if you're ever struggling with this whole idea of hearing God's voice, you know one of the ways that God will often speak is you'll ask God a question and then you'll hear a question come back to you. If you have that happen, there's a good chance you're hearing the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, well, what is written in the law, Mr. Lawyer? Of all people, you should know. What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Good answer. This guy's on top of things. And Jesus says, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will what? Live. Implication. Do this, and you will find eternal life. That's what the man was asking for. And then Jesus goes on to describe, well, he says, wanting to justify himself, he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes on into this scandalous story that there's so much really embedded in that that we don't have time for now, but someday, and it'll be fun. The Good Samaritan is just chock full of things you're like, whoa, Jesus is like basically just put himself out on the chopping block in telling this story. But you know the story well enough. And he says, do this, and you will live. Now let's look quickly at the second, another person that asked Jesus, what must I do? This is in Mark chapter 10. It says, as, G, as he was setting out on a journey, this is Mark 10, 17, I think. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, again, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So the Jews in Jesus' day had this understanding that keeping the law was the way to inherit eternal life. It was the way to true living. And Jesus said to him, first of all, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now, is Jesus negating his statement or is he broadening his statement? You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Wow. Do you believe him? It's pretty intense, isn't it? I mean, those are tall orders. And he says, done it. Check, 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 check. Jesus is probably like, wow, dude. High five. And Jesus looks at him, and look at this. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus wells up with affection for this young man. He says, wow, there's something in you that I'm just in love with. Looking at him, he loved him and said, now you lack one thing. You want eternal life? You're missing one thing. Go. Sell what you own and give the money off. That's not supposed to be there. That's for footnote. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. 
When he heard this, the young man was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. So some questions might be coming up in your mind right now. One of those questions might be, didn't Jesus read the tract about how to have eternal life? If someone came to you today and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? If you weren't to pull these passages into your mind, how would you respond? You would probably, I don't know, many Christians would default to some form of, well, you say the sinner's prayer, you accept Jesus and go to heaven. Right? Yes? No? This is the way to eternal life. Now what happens with that, and I don't think that we operate that way, but this is what we're trying to get to the bottom of. Jesus doesn't do anything like that, does He? Jesus actually says, this is what you have to do. This is what it looks like for you to be living eternal life. And so if we have this frame of you pray this prayer and you're on your way to eternal life, what has Jesus just done to us? He's scrambled us. Because our mind is it's not about doing. It's about praying a prayer. Or it's about this. It's about that. And Jesus says, well, no, this is what you do. And we say, oh, wait a minute. Uh Uh-oh. Jesus, you don't get it. Uh, You need to learn about what happens after you die. You need to learn about grace. It's not by works. It's by faith. Jesus apparently didn't get that. Is this interesting? Anyone else? So, fortunately, every once in a while, Jesus often loads Scripture with paradox and just kind of leaves you sitting in the tension. He's like, well, is it this or this? And we're like, Jesus, which one? And he's like, uh, like we talked about last week, yes. Jesus, do you, you know, is your, your burden light or do we need to come and die? Yes. Okay, that's helpful. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Paul says, nothing. Jesus says, go be like a good Samaritan. Who do we listen to, Jesus or Paul? <laughs> yes. Somebody's catching on. Who do we listen to? Yes. Now, I love that Jesus actually threw us a bone here and defined for us eternal life, but here's the thing. This doesn't often come through in our understanding of heaven and last days and who we will be one day. And I hope that this will come across like I want it to. Uh, Taylor, what's the next one on there? Is it John 17? Okay, go ahead and pass on that. Skip over that. Now this is Jesus throwing us a bone. This is the spoiler alert. And here's one of the questions that we need to ask. How would we reinterpret our idea of eternal life and these questions that are asked of Jesus if we had this as the backdrop of our understanding and our thinking. Look at what Jesus says. This is His prayer to His Father in front of His disciples. He's basically told the disciples, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I got your back through my Spirit, but I'm going. After Jesus had spoken these words, He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. 
since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all you have given him. Now our ears should perk up and our hearts should perk up even more. And Jesus says what? And this is eternal life. That they may... Now wait a minute. Let's look for a minute at what he does not say. What does he not say? Does he say this is eternal life that they would go to heaven when they die? Does it mean that that's not true? Or does it mean that Jesus has something bigger to offer us? Can we pause here for a minute? Now when I think of eternity, this is what I often think of, or at least in the past, I've thought of this moment that comes upon my death, at my point of death, it's this line that goes out forever. And that's eternity. Would anybody agree that that's kind of, eternity is just this thing that at some point, eternal life often happens after we die and just goes on into forever. <laughs> right. A lot of ellipses. I haven't seen that, but I need to. But yeah, how do you quantify mathematically, you know, eternity, infinity? But it's often probably, I picture like this line, and it just, it's very long. Very, very long. Now, there's, yeah, there's an understatement. It's, it's a little bit long. But you know what's interesting? When I imagine it in my mind, you know what's missing? Depth. I picture going wide, going long, but what's missing is depth. It starts here and just goes out, but it's almost as if there's a bottom to it. And you know what I think Jesus is trying to do? I think he's trying to do two things. He says, okay, your idea of eternity, yes, it goes out that far, but I think he takes our conception of eternity and he drops it down so that it goes as deep as it goes long. I don't know if that's helpful for any of you, but that was immensely helpful for me. To say the vastness, the length that Jesus offers in eternity, Jesus says, yes, that's true. Now, psh, make that about depth as well. And then he does this. He says, and guess what? This is not something that begins after you die. He says, eternal life is not something that begins upon the point of your death. It begins upon the point of me knowing you and you knowing me. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now this is important to me, so please track with me as much as you can. Jesus is saying that eternal life is not going somewhere as much as it is knowing someone. Eternal life is less about going somewhere, and it's much more about knowing someone. I need to read this one to you because I want to get it right. Eternal life is also less about how long we live, and it's more about how much we're loved and how well we love. Eternal life is less about 
how long we live and more about how well we love and how much we love. Jesus is saying eternal life is not about time and quantity. It's about relationship and quality. And it can start now. It starts as you walk in relationship with me. You know what's crazy? Now this is what was blowing my mind as Callie was taking us to this kind of eternal place in worship this morning. You know what was blowing my mind is every single moment is embedded with eternity. You know why? Because the eternal one inhabits that moment with us. That was just lighting me up inside in a way that my mouth can't express. My heart wants to go, Wah. Can I say that again? Every moment is loaded with eternity because the eternal one inhabits those moments with us. Man, imagine what life would look like if we grabbed a hold of that. Jesus says eternal life is not about chronology. Yes, it goes on for a long, long time. But eternal life is not about time. It's about relationship. It's about knowing me. It's about inviting the eternal one into the every moment of your life. And here's the beautiful thing. Think about this. Remember, go back to that picture that we painted at the beginning of what heaven will be like and what we'll experience one day. And then I asked you, what will you be like? And you said whole and full and complete and right. Well, guess what? You're the ones that said it wasn't the place, it wasn't a geographical location that's going to do that to you. Is it? It's not going to some place called heaven. It's fully knowing and being known by the one that makes heaven heaven. And guess what? He's here now in this moment. He's here now in this moment. And yes, there are some things I'm going to have to wait for, unfortunately. But what if I could actually just hold on a second to that, you know, I, it often defeats me. It can become kind of this mentality of, well, one day, one day I don't have to be like this, or one day I don't have to experience this, or one day I won't be so. You ever, how many of you guys kind of get caught up in that sometimes? Well, the, well, one day, well, one day. Well, what makes that one day that one day? What makes that one day that one day? It's the person of Jesus. And He says, I'm here now. In this moment. Dang, why are you guys making me get all emotional? And this is eternal life, that they may know You the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus gives us an op opportunity and offer an invitation into eternal life, and He says it doesn't just have to happen one day. Remember what He told Zacchaeus? Today. Not one day. Today. Salvation has come to this house.
Jesus, would you show us? Would you show us the ways in which you want to bring us out of one day and into today? Would you show us the ways that, that you want to reveal the eternity latent in every moment? Would you show us that the hope that we're longing for, the things that we're waiting for, the healing that we're longing for doesn't have to come, doesn't have to begin on the other side of death, but, but the one that brings healing, the one that brings wholeness, the one that is salvation is here with us in this moment, in this day. Jesus, if nothing else, would you just flood us with hope this morning? Would you just flood us with hope that we don't have to wait forever? But we just need to walk with you? And would you speak to us in our particular spot, seat, place, and space and time? Would you show us how your eternal being is meeting us in this place of space, time, and matter in this very moment. Would you show us how you're meeting us right now?